Well, good morning again. We come now to hear from the living and abiding Word of God, which the Lord tells us is able to make the man or woman of God complete, equipped for every good work. So if you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't been with us, we've been hearing from the Gospel according to Matthew. And we've been in Matthew 5 for the last several weeks. But we now turn to Matthew 6. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount, but this is certainly a new section. Instead of talking about the law of God and explaining the true depth of God's law, Jesus talks about hypocrisy and practicing the kind of righteousness that has our eyes on other people instead of on God. But I want you to see that Jesus is still tethered to where he began in chapter 5, verse 20. He is calling us, his disciples, still to a kind of righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. He may not name the scribes and Pharisees in this section, but when you compare it with Matthew 23, it is clear that they are exactly the hypocrites that he is referring to. But another difference in this chapter is that Jesus is going to turn our focus a bit from the law of God to the rewards of God. He talks throughout this section about rewards and treasures. And very quickly, we're going to see that this brings us back to the Beatitudes. It was there that Jesus told us about the blessing that is upon those who are poor in spirit and the persecuted and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So here he is going to expose the false blessings of the world and the true blessings for those that are in Christ. We're going to read all of verses 1 through 24, but we're going to focus this morning especially on verses 1 through 15. We'll dip into fasting some, but I'll focus more particularly on that next week when we take up verses 16 to 24. But before we hear from God's Word, we need to ask for His help. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we read Your Holy Word, I ask that You would give us Your Spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might know and love Your Son, Jesus Christ, more. Open our minds, our hearts, and our wills so that we may hear your word and believe it. Speak, Holy Spirit. Your people are listening. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father, who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, 
and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. As we look at this passage, even as we just read it, you'll notice that there is a lot here. As I mentioned, we're going to break it into two sections. We're going to focus in just on verses 1 to 15 today. But even in that section, we could spend weeks talking about giving to the needy and especially breaking down the Lord's Prayer. Even though that would certainly be fruitful, I want us to see the big picture of what Jesus is saying about true righteousness and the rewards that God gives. But if you want to hear more detail on the Lord's Prayer, excuse me, there are two really great places to go. First, the men's group has been studying the Lord's Prayer this semester line by line. They meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30. I believe this week we are, uh, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I commend that to you. Also, many of you will remember that two years ago, Brandon Egger preached through the Lord's Prayer, again, line by line. And so that is on our website. Those sermons are on our website. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons. They're excellent and a great way to take a deep dive into one of the most important topics in the Christian life. But today, we are going, like I said, to focus on the big picture of this text. So we're going to see three things as we work our way through verses 1 to 15. First, we're going to see a warning that Jesus gives. And he warns us, and in the warning he mentions specifically actions, locations, and audiences. Second, we're going to look at the first two examples that he gives, giving and praying. 
And then finally, we're going to look at what he says about motives and rewards. In the opening statement of the chapter, Jesus gives his disciples, us, those who are following after him, a warning. He begins with that word, beware, or pay attention, take care, watch out. And then he tells us what we need to pay attention to, what it is that we need to watch. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Jesus mentions three things right there in that first statement. First, he mentions actions, practicing your righteousness. Second, he talks about locations. Here, he says, before other people. And then third, audiences, in order to be seen by them. And we need to understand from the very beginning that Jesus is not warning us that these actions are wrong, or even that the location we do them in is the most important thing. Rather, he is warning us about doing these things for the wrong audience. The problem, the dangerous thing that you and I need to watch out for is living our lives with the goal of being seen and praised by other people. Jesus says that this is what the hypocrites do. Hypocrites, if you remember, are people who wear a mask. They pretend to be someone they are not. And these hypocrites are pretending to be righteous and pious followers of God. But their true goal is to be liked and praised by other people. Instead of living like the hypocrites, Jesus said that we should remember that all of our life whether we are in public or in private, sitting in church or shut in our room, all of it is lived under the watchful eye of our Father who is in heaven. And Jesus tells us that it is Him that we should seek to please. Just like we talked about in chapter 5, Jesus is teaching us about a righteousness that goes all the way to the heart. The actions themselves are actually good things. These are the three foundational acts of righteousness or piety in Judaism. Giving to the needy, praying, and fasting. And we're going to see that even where you do those things isn't the focus. Instead, Jesus is addressing our motives, our intentions, why we are doing these things, and who we are doing them for. Jesus gives three examples to show this truth, giving to the needy, praying, and fasting. This week, we're going to focus on those first two examples, giving to the needy and praying. And the next week, as we begin the season of Lent, we'll look a bit more closely at fasting and then Jesus' summary statements at the end. So let's read now again verses 2 through 4. Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Just as Jesus had a pattern of speaking in chapter 5, he has a new pattern here in chapter 6. He uses it in each of these three examples. First, he tells us about the hypocrites, how they live, and their reward. Then, 
He points to you, his disciples, how you are called to live and your reward. Remember, giving to the needy is a good thing. Jesus said this just a few verses ago in Matthew 5, 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. We looked at that in context last week, but even in context, it is an uncomfortably direct command to give generously to those who are in need. But look at what the hypocrites do when they give to the needy, when they do this good thing. They sound a trumpet, and they do it in the synagogues and in the streets. Their location here is important because it is intentionally in front of other people, but it's not the focus. Jesus tells us their motives. They do all these things when they give to someone in need that they may be praised by others. And before we laugh at how ridiculous it sounds to blow a trumpet when you're giving to someone in need, we need to realize that this is actually pretty common. How many celebrities or politicians do you see who just happen to have dozens of cameras with them when they go to a soup kitchen? Some, somehow news websites always find out about large donations that important people make to charities. I read about a famous athlete this week who gave $10 million to a charity. And somehow it ended up on every sports or news website I saw. But given our modern age, this is not just the rich and famous. Think about the way that social media has affected this culture of self-promotion. We take pictures of the good things we've done and put them in front of other people with the option that they can like what we have done. At the Christian college I went to, it wasn't uncommon for people's profile pictures to be of them on a mission trip surrounded by poor children they were helping. On Twitter, it's not rare to see that someone wrote something nice about someone else And then the person who received the compliment retweets the nice thing they said so that everyone else will see it. Self-promotion is no longer just for the rich and famous. Any one of us with internet access can do it. But it's likely that Jesus is using hyperbole when he says that the hypocrites were blowing trumpets as they gave. This is probably like the phrase we use about someone tooting their own horn. Then, just like now, it could be much more subtle. Maybe I don't post a picture of me at the homeless shelter on Instagram. But when it comes time for prayer requests at community group, I mention how worn out I am from all the serving I've done this week. Maybe you like to give big tips at restaurants. And maybe you also kind of like to turn the receipt in the direction of the people you're with so they can see your big tip. Two, Jesus tells us of an extreme example, but we all must realize that this temptation is constantly in front of us. Are you content with knowing that the Lord of the universe sees your work? Or do you work hard to make sure the people in your friend group see it too? Jesus says we shouldn't do those things to be seen by others. Your motive when you give shouldn't be the praise of other people. Look how generous 
he is. Look how thoughtful and caring she is. But look what he says. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Jesus tells us that we should go to great lengths to guard our giving and our generosity from the sight and knowledge of other people. In fact, he goes so far as to say that we should even hide our giving from ourselves. One side of your body shouldn't even know what the other side is doing. This is hyperbole, but we don't want to miss what Jesus is saying. There is danger in seeking a pat on the back from other people, but you also ought to beware of patting yourself on the back. Yeah, I am a pretty good person. Look at me. I do a lot of nice stuff for other people. Now, we need to admit that discerning this is not always easy. Remember, the commands of Jesus here are internal. So the first thing we should say is that we need to be especially cautious about thinking about other people and their motives for doing what they are doing. Jesus is pointing out the hypocrites, so it's obvious that it can be observed, but we need to remember that the same action in the same location can be done with genuine love for the Lord or with the desire to be seen by others. We should take caution in judging the motives of other people. And we know this even about ourselves. Motives are a tricky thing. When you really start thinking about why you did certain things, you can drive yourself crazy picking apart your motives. Yeah, I open the door to be kind and polite, but I also kind of like it when people say thank you. Did I give 10% of my income out of gratitude to God, or do I just want to think of myself as a generous person? While Jesus is calling us to self-examination here, we need to see what he is actually critiquing. The hypocrites are not people with mixed motives. They are people with singular motives. They are not strugglers. They are pretenders. Their actions are done solely for the purpose of being seen by others. Yes, it is good for us to assess our hearts and examine our motives. Pray that God would purify your desire and take away your obsession to receive the praise of man. But don't beat yourself up if someone at church says they appreciate the ways you serve. Or if a close friend tells you they've seen your growth in your love for others. We are called to encourage one another in the body of Christ. Don't let a bad interpretation of Jesus' words turn us into a church that is stingy on encouragement. You are called to build one another up in love, not flattery, but genuine encouragement. Leave the way that that encouragement is received to them and God. After he speaks of their motives, Jesus turns to rewards. He says that a hypocrite's desire to be noticed and praised by others is the reward they are seeking in their actions. And what is crazy to see is that Jesus says they are going to get that reward. They're going to get the praise and acclaim of other people. If you are giving in order to have your ego stroked, 
or to get people to say nice things about you, it's probably going to work. But that is all the reward you will ever get. The call of Jesus is for us to have a different audience. When you give, he says, you are seeking a reward from your heavenly Father. The praise you are seeking, the desire to be noticed, should be set not upon the people around you, but upon the sight of God who sees everything you do. Notice how important this switch in audience is. It even makes it so that your audience isn't the people whom you are serving. And this is important because the truth is you know that there are times where you give to someone and you get no thanks and no praise from them. Moms of young kids, how often does your toddler overflow with gratefulness when they see the effort you have put in? Those of you who serve in schools, or the foster care system, or criminal court, or a factory? How often do the people you serve even know that you are serving them? The encouragement of this passage is that there is always someone who knows. Always someone who sees. God sees the simplest act of kindness and mercy from his disciples. He sees your quiet obedience He knows how hard you work to love others even when they themselves don't see it. And your reward isn't the empty praise of the media or the numbing counter of likes. Your praise is the acclamation and fellowship of your heavenly Father. He sees your faithfulness and he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. He is your reward. The next example that Jesus gives of this is prayer. Let's read verses 5 to 15 again. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, And shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There are such rich truths in these verses. And again, I would encourage you to either join the men's group in their study or go back and listen to Brandon's sermons going through this line by line. But today, I don't want us to miss the forest for the trees. Jesus, again, uses this same pattern. First, he tells us about the hypocrites, how they live, and their reward. Then, about you, his disciples, how you are to live, and your 
reward. In the passage on the hypocrites, he talks about them praying in the synagogues and on street corners. And then his encouragement to us is to pray in the secrecy and privacy of our room with the door shut. And it brings up this question of location. Is Jesus saying that it is wrong to pray in public? A few things are worth thinking about. First, we are often encouraged in Scripture to pray together. Even this prayer Jesus teaches us is primarily a corporate prayer. Notice all the plural words in it, beginning with our Father. So praying together is not the problem. Second, the example of Daniel comes to mind. Remember, Daniel is in exile in Persia, and an order goes out that anyone who prays to anyone other than King Darius will be thrown into the lion's den. But we read that Daniel prayed at his open windows facing Jerusalem in a place where he could be seen. So did Daniel do something wrong by praying in order to be seen? Is praying before a meal in a restaurant or reading your Bible in a coffee shop or living the Christian life in public wrong? Remember, we said this is difficult to discern. In Matthew 5.16, we saw that Jesus commands us to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So which is it? Hide our piety or show it? The key phrase in Daniel 6 is that Daniel prayed in this way as he had done previously. He didn't change his behavior because he was afraid of the king's edict. His public life looked like his private life. He didn't do something different so that he could show his devotion to God. And he also didn't do something different in order to hide his devotion to God. This is something we should think about. Jesus is not demanding strict secrecy so that no one around you knows that you pray or give to the needy. You could take that so far as to say that it would be bad if people knew that you were a Christian. That's not what Jesus is encouraging here. And we must admit that we live in a culture now where we don't get pats on the back for praying or professing faith in Jesus or living the Christian life in public. And so we may even be tempted to keep secret the things that the Lord wants us to live before others. A good rule of thumb I heard this week is this. If you are tempted to hide an act of your Christian living, you should probably show it. If you are tempted to show it, you should probably hide it. This really gets back to the motives Jesus is talking about, and it makes us assess our own hearts. Does your public life look like your private life? Are you pretending in front of others to be something you are not, either in hiding or in showing? We see that Jesus actually adds a second negative example about praying in verse 7, showing the way that the Gentiles or the pagans pray. Taken together, the hypocrites pray in public, 
so that they may be seen by others and the Gentiles pray to their gods by heaping up empty phrases and many words. And when you look at the two of those side by side, you see what Jesus is emphasizing about how we should pray. When you pray to your Father who is in heaven, remember who you are praying to. The hypocrites get sidetracked by focusing on the people around them who might hear. But the Gentiles, the pagans, pray in a particular way because of the character of the gods they are praying to. They need to get their gods' attention. It might be with impressive or lofty words, or it might be with repeated incantations. Either way, there is some technique they must use to get their God to listen to them. Jesus says this is not the kind of God you pray to. Instead, he says that your God doesn't need you railing on the street corner to hear you. He hears you when you are alone in your room with the door closed. And he doesn't need you to use fancy language or incantations. He hears simple and straightforward words. He is the all-powerful, all-knowing king of the universe. But he is also your loving and compassionate father. He listens to you when you cry out to him. He forgives your sins. He protects you from evil and provides for your every need. Remember who you are praying to. The Old Testament speaks to this again and again. Do you remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? The prophets of Baal scream and rave and cut themselves to get Baal's attention, and he does nothing. But Elijah simply speaks to the Lord, and he answers him. Exodus 2 is that amazing passage where the people of Israel have been suffering in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And the text says, God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Our God is not hard of hearing. And he sees everything in your life, every trial and suffering, every moment of faithfulness. This gets us to the heart of this passage. We often, when we read this, pay most attention to what Jesus tells us not to do. Don't give so others will see you. Don't pray a bunch of empty phrases. And the result can be that we become obsessed with our mixed motives. Did I do that because I love that person and I love God? Or did I do it to be seen and praised? And there's part of that that's right. Jesus is calling us to self-examination. But we must see that he is not calling us to self-focus. The proper response to Jesus' words here is not navel-gazing. It is looking to God the Father. Jesus isn't primarily telling us here to put our eyes upon ourselves. He is telling us to put our eyes upon the Father. This is the better reward that Jesus promises. God is the one who sees your every act and knows your every deed. He sees your giving when it's hidden from everyone else. He hears your prayers even when you don't pray them out loud. Brothers and sisters, this is the better comfort and the better reward that Jesus points to. Hebrews 11.6 says, 
And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God promises there and here that he is the rewarder of faithfulness. You are a sinner. Jesus died on the cross so that he could forgive every sin you've ever committed, every murderous or adulterous thought, every mixed motive, every attempt to get others to praise you. But the whole message of the gospel is not that we don't get what we deserve. We also do get what we don't deserve. The holy God who resides in heaven has given himself to you. He doesn't stand far off with arms folded, but he comes near to fellowship with you. The reward that God gives to us is primarily himself. Think back on the blessings of the Beatitudes, the kingdom of heaven, comfort in your mourning, the inheritance of the earth, satisfaction, mercy, seeing God and being called sons of God. All of those things are wrapped up in the gift of God himself. Brothers and sisters, you have been given something better than news cameras and pats on the back and likes on Instagram. You have been given the smile and the fellowship of the triune God. Your reward is not something momentary or confined to this earth. Your reward is the eternal glory of relationship with God. Jesus' commands here are not primarily a list of do's and don'ts. They are a call to seek your joy and your reward in God. So let us turn our eyes to Him. Let us set our minds on our Father who sees in secret. And let us long for the acclaim that comes from Him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Would you all pray with me? Father, we do pray that you would purify our hearts. As we fight with the old man, with that body of sin that Jesus has done away with, would you give us victory in that fight? Would you give us eyes for you only? Would you give us satisfaction in you and in you alone? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.